0: Welcome to Consequential Flowers Leadership Seeds Podcast, where transformational leaders share their leadership qualities to help us cultivate our own strength as bold, impactful leaders. I'm Jamie, founder of Consequential Flowers. In this episode of Find a Way, we are honored to welcome Gwen Berry, activist athlete, 2016 Olympian, and 2019 Pan-American champion. Welcome, Gwen.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) It's actually Gwendolyn Denise Berry. It's a beautiful
1: name. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Gwen is an American track and field athlete who specializes in the hammer throw. She's number five all time. She's also a three-time national champion at the U.S. Indoor Track and Field Championships. She's an indoor world record holder and a Tokyo Olympic hopeful. I learned about you, Gwen, on September 7th, 2020, when I read the New York Times opinion piece about using the podium to protest at the 2019 Pan Am games. And there's a video in the article mm-hmm. and your energy and voice in, in the first seconds of what you said and how you said it and what it takes to be an Olympian and why you protested, how you did it, like all of that had such grace, power, power, and elegance, integrity and strength and all of that bundled into transformational leadership. And it like came across all at once as this, a champion. And we were in the initial planning stages for a January launch of our business, Consequential Flowers. And when I saw that, I just thought we, please, I hope that we can get to talk to her (laughs) because you embody Consequential Flowers energy. Mm -hmm. And, Um, what we, what we would love to hear, please tell us about you and your journey, your sport. You know, I didn't know anything about your sport. Many of our listeners don't. And we would love to hear so that we can help understand where you're, you know, where you've honed your championship skills.
1: Yeah, um, Absolutely. Um, Track and field is basically, you know, especially in America, it's the stepchild of all sports. And then, you know, I do probably one of the most dangerous events, which is the hammer throw. So it's this little ball on a string, you know, you you turn it, you roll it around your head and then you turn into circles and you release it. So it's probably it is definitely one of the oldest events in track and field, along with the discus. Um, it, But it's often one of the most forgotten in track and field as well just because it's so dangerous, you know, you have to have different facilities, you have to have cages, a lot of protection. So um a lot goes into um conducting a proper uh event for the hammer throw. So it is often forgotten or not even known. A lot of people only know hammer throw um because they know certain athletes who go to college and perform in the hammer throw. I didn't even know what the hammer throw was. I never knew what the hammer throw was because I was never a thrower, right? Um, When I did sports, I started in basketball as a child. Um, I did softball, and then I did track and field um, in high school. But I only did track and field to stay in shape for basketball. Um, That was our thing, you know. We wanted to stay in shape, you know, run around the track and do something during the off-season of basketball to be better for basketball. So our coach made us do track and field. So in track and field, I still didn't throw. I was a jumper. I was a sprinter. I was on relays. So um, I decided after my uh, high school career that I didn't want to do a team sport. I wanted to do an individual sport. So I got recruited to college to be a jumper and a multi-event athlete. So for the women, it's like seven events, seven or eight events. So um, when I went to college, um, I had to throw the shot put. So I went to practice with the shot put coach. And then when I went to practice with him, I saw people throwing the hammer. And I was like, oh, what's that? And the coach was like, oh, that's the hammer throw. You should try it. And I was like, no, 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 thank you. You know, I'm not big. I'm not strong. No, thank you. So he pressed me and pressed me and pressed me. He told my high school coach on me and said, Gwen could actually be a world-class hammer thrower. And my high school coach was like, just try it. You never know. Just try it. Mind you, I've never heard of this, never seen it ever in my life. So I tried it. And then after three months of trying the hammer throw, I literally almost made the junior Olympic team. Three months of training and almost made the junior Olympic team. So that's when I was just like, okay, let me, let me give this a try. And then after three years of training for the hammer throw, I made team alternate for the 2012 Olympic games. So I missed the team by one spot. So, you know, I just kept with it and eventually I became an Olympian in 2016. Gwen,
0: when, when, You have you're running a a track and field event or a sprint. You know someone has to go fast, and there's like it's fast twitch muscle fibers, and there's speed. What is it about the hammer throw? Like, what is required to hone and master in order to be that graceful and powerful?
1: Um, I think um what you said is correct. It's it's the mastery. It's really technical, right? So hammer throwing is probably one of the most hard technical events in track and field because you are, you, you are literally utilizing something that's heavy on a string away from your body. Most of the other events, everything is on your body, close to your body. You just use your body, but the hammer throw, it's an object that's away from you that you have to manipulate. So tech, technique is definitely number 1. Technique, you have to have some power, you have to have some hand-eye coordination because, you know, things are going left and right and you're turning but this ball is doing its own thing. So, um, just technique and great footwork is um top 2. It's it's really really important.
0: It sounds to me that you probably honed the skill of focus and being present because if you hesitate or you take your mind somewhere else, there's consequences.
1: Oh, definitely. I've probably fallen maybe a hundred times over my career (laughs) and they hurt every time.
0: (laughs) You're a champion in your sport and you're using your platform to fight for social justice. Can you talk about how you see yourself contributing? to, to do that now as an athlete, as you're an Olympic hopeful and, and beyond?
1: Um, definitely. I feel like first, let me say that my fight for social justice is because, um, it has affected me and impacted my life, um, really heavily, especially, you know, over the last few years, just for me being, you know, part of the system, me being affected by the system, me having a teenage child who will eventually probably be affected by the same system and me losing loved ones um, in part due to the system. So I feel like um, this is a fight that I've understood um, majority of my life, but didn't know what part I should play or what I should do. So me thriving as a champion, I was willing to risk and to use my platform to make sure these messages um, and these issues are acknowledged. Um, they're no longer swept under the rug and are taken seriously because there are a lot of lives being lost due to, the, um, you know, systematic oppression and racism of minority people here in America. So um, me using my platform, you know, it's no discussion. Um, I feel like I have to do it. I feel like somebody has to do it. Somebody has to say something so that things can start to change.
0: We change, yes, what we let talk about in Consequential Flowers is we're pretty we're very precise on, on words and we talk about transformation. Mm-hmm. Could we think that we talk about um, you could like change you could change your shirt and put your other shirt back on, but once you transform, there's no going back like mm-hmm. a like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Gwen, we're excited to support your initiatives and all initiatives to fight for social justice this transformation requires transformational leaders. And there are qualities that you have honed. We just mentioned focus earlier, but there's others um, that we would love to hear from you, that you learned through sport or otherwise to be a champion, that our community members, that they, they transcend just the sport and because everything is the same thing. What from sport can apply to our community, people in technology, medicine, um, t- teaching, you name it, um, w- that you've learned that we apply everywhere.
1: I think number one is, um, mor- just having some type of honest morale about yourself, being understanding that humans are like humans, like we're not robots. We're not insensitive. We, we have feelings. We, we we need empathy. So I feel like number one is your moral compass. Understanding, being empathetic, being willing, listening, um, knowing that everything is not about yourself. Putting yourself in other people's shoes. Because in sport, when you encounter different people from different countries, you encounter different athletes who are maybe not as good as you or aspire to be as great as you, you have to understand you know where they're coming from what they're dealing with you have to understand their fight or you know how how much they've had to you know endure to get to this to this moment because that's your competition right so you have to understand this person may have done more or less than me but at the end of the day we're all here we have to compete but as a human I respect that person I understand that person because I probably had to do the same thing so I think that's number 1 um number 2 definitely discipline discipline, discipline, discipline. The more you master, the more you focus, the more you have repetition, the more you are in tune with yourself and indulge in any activity every day and giving it your best. Anytime you step into any field of play in or off the field, in or out of the job, you say to yourself, I'm going to do what I'm going to do the best that I can on this day and kill it. So if you come in with that disciplined mindset, to say if i'm here i'm going to do a good job since i'm here i might as well do a good job i think that uh you know that resonates with athletes anybody in and out of the sport um so discipline for sure um i also think just you know Self-knowledge, self-awareness. I think every athlete, they have to know who they are. They have to know, understand their body. They have to understand, you know, what makes them feel good, what makes them feel bad. Um, as far as food intake, dieting, um, you know, material clothes that they wear. If they can't, you know, if they don't want to put on you know, tight clothes when they compete. They want to wear loose clothes. They, you just have to know your body. You have to self-internalize, knowing yourself. So for regular people every day, you have to know yourself. You have to know, you know what you can deal with, what stress you can handle, how to walk away from a situation, how to understand a situation, how to engage with other people. So self-awareness for sure is another one. Um, I think those are the top three things that I use especially in sport that has, um, catapulted me to be, um, a elite athlete, but it's an everyday process. Um, it's over years, every day, um, being in the moment and taking advantage of every single opportunity because life is short. What
0: about self-compassion? Mm. You put yourself out there all every day and in competitions and you are a champion mm-hmm. and with all champions, they don't win a hundred percent of the time Though you expect and prepare to win. What about you when you're bold and courageous and doing things that are new and pushing outside your comfort zone, all things we've discussed, mm-hmm. um, what do you do when you, when you lose or you fail or something doesn't go your way, you make a mistake. What about that?
1: Um, I feel like you have to be realistic, right? So, and then you have to, Come out of that situation knowing that, okay, what can I do better? Self-compassion, yes, but you have to self-analyze too. How did I fail? Where did I go wrong? What can I do going forward so that never happens again and I learn from that lesson so that I will never have to feel this again or fail again? Um, You have to be realistic and know that just because you failed one time, all your work doesn't go in vain. You actually honestly need to learn from that failure so that every time you do learn from a failure, your weakest links become your greatest assets. And I feel like that's basically one of the things that makes a really, really good champion as well. Most champions, when they are younger, especially, they fail all the time. But every day and every year when they learn from that failure and, and, and capitalize off of that weakness, then they're unstoppable.
0: What about learning from your wins?
1: Um, I think learning from your wins, that's that's a good take too. Um, because most people, which is crazy, most athletes when they win, they really truly don't execute a hundred percent that they know they could have done. You know, they really know that they have more left in the tank, right? So um I think learning from your wins for sure. Um stay humbled and understand that, okay, you know, I won this one, but how can I again, how can I do better? How can I make sure I execute the way I know I can so that you know, I'm not only winning, but I'm breaking records. You know, I'm doing something that no one has ever done before, for sure.
0: And I asked that question because you are a champion and being and having come from a business the world we're always taught look at your mistakes and your weakness areas. And what I learned from my business partners, he's a champion and he always says, "Look at your wins mm-hmm. and figure out what worked and keep doing more of that." And in school, in business school, we, we weren't taught that. We were lo- taught my whole life, look at what didn't work. And this mm. is a whole new approach about looking at what what did.
1: Right. Um, I feel like for me, especially for me and my coach, we, um, we always appreciate what works. We always tuck away what works, you know, so that we can always go back to it or always look at it or always reflect and say, okay, this worked uh, this didn't. So why did this work? Let's understand why this worked, you know, capitalize off of that. But again, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So as much as you understand what worked and you tuck that away, you have that in mind. You also have to, you know, capitalize off your weaknesses. You have to grow your weaknesses so that you're always on a level, you know, on an even level. If
0: what you're saying is, aligns with a philosophy that we've thought about here, which is focus on your strengths and develop your weaknesses just so they don't get in the way. They don't limit your ability to capitalize and realize your strengths. So it's this balanced approach. What about, um, I just, I I was share this with you. What do you think about this, Gwen? Um, One of our, our leadership uh, word clouds, that's where we all source ideas. Uh, we asked all of uh, our community, some of them, some w- leaders who are not in our community, um, what they say to themselves when they when they make a mistake. Like, what do they do to show self-compassion? And what we found was that our partners at Why Not Prosper are women who are previously incarcerated and, and their entire team who are building from from. The ground up in their lives, um, they very quickly were able to come up with these beautiful, powerful statements with no effort. I am light. I am an achiever. I am resilient. I am strong. I am enough. They just had these beautiful, powerful statements that are now in the form of a butterfly. Mm -hmm. We asked that same question to uh, women who were in this group of very um senior leaders in their careers like they were 30 40 50 60 um, directors of organizations presidents and the large majority of them Gwen had nothing to say mm. they said um I I don't have I don't say anything to myself other than like I shouldn't have done that that was mm. that was stupid and they 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 said wow and what what i am want to hear from you and where i think you can also really help these women when they are courageous and doing things that are new they're taking risks what are some so, like what are some of the things that they can say to themselves
1: mm-hmm. well let me first you, you, start by saying that like self manifestation is so important when you, when you speak to yourself you your brain and your mind and your body actually like act upon it or believe it like that's the way you talk to yourself like so self manifestation number 1 is so important if you tell yourself you're going to fail 9 times out of 10 you're going to fail if you tell yourself that you can do it 9 times out of 10 yourself will do it so um that's number 1 you always should speak positivity into yourself no matter what positivity or be realistic with yourself if you are afraid it's okay i'm afraid But you should step into that fear, step into that power, because I promise you, on the other side, it's success. It's always like that. So I would say, um, for me, what I usually tell myself is, I am intentional. Like, I'm doing this because I'm damn good at it, because I want to do it. And because I know that it's going to impact people and save lives, or it's going to show people that they can do it as well. So I am intentional. I am bold. You know, I am present because I am here. I'm here on purpose. I'm here for a reason. So I'm going to thrive in that purpose. I'm going to make sure if I am present, I'm going to be the best person in this moment, in this space right now. So those are two of the things that I really tell myself. I'm intentional and I'm present. And I, and I capitalize off of that.
0: As a champion. What what do you think about this statement? A champion is a champion before they are a champion.
1: Man, I love that statement. Um it take it takes me back to my childhood, you know. It makes me think like, you know, growing up, I had always had leadership qualities. I was always bold. I always wanted to be first. I always wanted to be the leader, you know. I always wanted to make sure, you know, that I could conduct something for everybody to make sure everybody was okay. And you know, put people in the best positions, like just even as a kid, you know? So, um, I feel like even though, you know, my life, I didn't have the best life when I was a child and I went through really, really trying times that people probably couldn't even fathom. Um, I always came out on the other side because I know I wanted to be different. So, um, I feel like definitely being a champion is something that you're born with. Or that you, you know, you learn from a young age, you instill that, or your family instills that into you from a very, very young age. And then, you know, as you get older, you keep living in it, you keep thriving in it, and you keep putting yourselves in the best opportunities. Um, and, you know, you capitalize off those opportunities, and eventually, yeah, you become a champion in real life. It goes
0: back to what you said earlier, that it's self-talk and what you tell yourself.
1: Yes. And I've always... I've always told myself that I never wanted to go through the things I've been through as a child or live through the things I had to live through as a child ever again. And I stayed steadfast in that. And here I am today
0: what happened as a child, that's why we are here at Consequential Flowers is because we want the next generation of of women leaders to learn um, from other leaders. Like it's a platform for other leaders to help women, young women to learn at age 18, 20, 22, 26, what we learn decades Absolutely. later.
1: Absolutely. I I say that all the time, especially like kids that I'm around college kids or uh, younger than that. I tell them like when I was younger, I did not have a role model. I did not have an idol. I had nobody that I could look up to or converse with to teach me certain things that I needed to know. I never had the opportunity ever in my life. And I just don't know how different my life would have been had I had that opportunity, had I had that chance to look up to another athlete or another mentor or to, you know, for somebody to educate me. I never had that opportunity. And I think that is so important.
0: And here you are doing it and we are doing it now for the next generation. If, if there's time, if you have any thoughts for, um, athletes who are graduating from college now and they've spent their whole lives focusing on their sport and being very high performance, using all the skills and talents and traits and discipline. And then they're now not going to the Olympics or they're, they're, that whole part of their life is over and they identified as as individuals as that sport. What do they do now? Where do they go?
1: Um, I think um, most athletes, they, they kind of like, they think that They're only great in sport, right? So most athletes, I think once you're done with your sport, you should take a skills acquisition test because your skills that you've developed in sport can actually help you out of sport in the real world, in career, you know, in a career aspect corporate America. So um, number one, take a skills acquisition test so that you know what skills you actually have and you know what you actually are passionate about outside of the sport and you know what you want to do. After taking that test, search for jobs or search for companies, organizations, what have you, to get involved with, to help flourish those, you know, those passions or those loves or those skills. So that when you go into corporate America, you can understand what you possess, not only as an athlete, but as a person, because you really do learn a lot of skills being an athlete.
0: You, you you talked about it at the very beginning when you everything that you learn from throwing you're now using to be a leader a transformational leader and as an activist i have a one last question that is very important and sincere from consequential flowers you have been extremely generous with your time and your energy planting leadership seeds with our community how can our community support you what what you're doing I um, well after this you could tell uh, share links I'll make sure that everything gets shared anything coming up w- tell us everything that we can do and we'll do it
1: um definitely I feel like for me right now the biggest support comes from just You know, helping me, you know, reach as many people as I can with my messaging, with my PSAs, and um, you know, just supporting me on my fight to Tokyo. You know, any anytime I post something very important, you know, reposting. um, Just like I said, just amplifying my voice more. Um, I'm pretty simple. I don't need much. I have a lot of support. So just knowing, you know, consequential flowers, and knowing that I have, you know, another another aspect of major support sincere support. Um, that's enough for me, honestly.
0: It's unconditional. And we post Olympics in the future, we would love to have the chance to talk to you about about more and what you're doing afterwards. Unconditional support. We are so grateful and honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you
1: <laughs> I don't know what to here. say. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. <laughs>